Greetings, Minecrafters, and welcome to another uh, hopefully engaged, engaging dis Minecraft discussion on uh, what I'm thinking about today. You know, the topic is, you know, um, being afraid of being afraid or, you know, fear scares me, the fear of fear. And we think about, you know, of course, that when we when we think about that famous quote by Roosevelt, the only thing to fear is fear itself. I mean, it. I think most of us have you've, you know, you know, uh, it, I think many of us have under, can really understand that on a visceral level. We actually feel afraid. We feel like feel afraid. And it, I don't know that there's a worse feeling in the world other than I would equate the most excruciating emotion of human being, being can feel is shame. And both of those two fear and shame are just the worst. And so much of the time, we get wrapped up in fear. We get, you know, we get seduced into being afraid, take it on, internalize it, feel it all over our bodies from head to toe. And then often what we fear most doesn't even happen. And I'd like to also do a shout out to Jay Shetty. As, as some of you know, him, he's one of my new T I've added him to my list of great teachers up there with Oprah and Wayne Dyer. And I've also, I've listened to Aaron Doughty recently, but I listened to Aaron Doughty on occasion and there's just a, there's a bunch of them. Uh, Joe Dispenza listened to a little bit, but anyway, Jay Shetty has got it going on. And I, I like, I was reading his book. Um, I'm, I'm at the end of it, actually thinking like a monk and I am en route to developing a monk mindset. I love that. So anyway, he talks about how we have a tendency to let our fear drive us. And this is just so true. And he also talks about how fear itself is not a real problem. It's that we sort of are fearing the wrong things. And um, what we should sort of really be fearing is what fear has to offer. And chiming in here that um, in some ways, this is sort of an analogous to how, and I've done some videos and also some Psychology Today articles on this too, with, with, our, with our, the way we view stress, because we can turn how we think about stress around too. We can turn... In a similar fashion, we can turn the way we think think about fear around too, um, and not to make it something that it isn't, more to embrace it. Kind of like we've made the analogy before about you know how 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 powerful you know a large horse is, and and yet like a train, like these little jockeys are running around these these tracks, you know, weighing not even nine, not even a hundred pounds often, and that little tiny jockey is controlling this powerful powerful animal that's running at ridiculous velocities with a simple tug on, on the reins. And so think about that with fear being this powerful thing that has, a, has the potential to get out of control, throw us, leave us in the dust, like in a horse race, badly damage us, right? Leave us injured. Yet really, we can control it. It's when we allow it to get out of control that there's a problem. And Jay talks about, you know, developing this awareness. And you, you know that I'm big on awareness. Without awareness, we just, we can't do it really. I mean, we're, our hands are sort of tied, right? Because we can't do what we do know. We can't, sorry. We cannot do what we do not know. So once it gets on our radar, once we can see it, visualize it, feel it, you know, whatever the senses we're talking about are, um, it's only then that we can actually get a grip on whatever it is, take the reins, and then, and then get ourselves back on track, so to speak, and you know, in control. And that fears, um, that fear can actually act as a sort of a warning beacon 
and actually can guide us to get to know ourselves on a deeper level and also what we value. And it, it can actually lead us, it can actually sort of serve as a vehicle or a, or a tool to help us um, sort of tune in to, uh, you know, our own sense of purpose, our greater meaning. And uh, for lack of a better way to say, it, we're talking about Dharma. Dharma, our, Dharma is like our passion, our what we're put on this earth to do, and our and how we become fulfilled in this life. And fear can actually point us in the right direction when we harness it. And so Jay Shetty puts it like this: He says we can use fear to get to the best of us. You know, and sort of Jay kind of like invites us to to understand that we waste, we can waste so much time and energy trying to remain comfortable in in our comfy bubble, comfy zone, as we say, right? And often fearing stress, often fearing the challenges and obstacles of life, often fearing change. When these things, you know, the, the, the change, I think of it as wind, right? Wind can switch direction any given minute. It can get stronger, it can get lighter. It can let us know that a storm is coming. It can make the trees dance. You know, I think of it like that. And the thing is, when we want to stay comfortable and resist being uncomfortable, this is going to have us in a very stagnant place. When I think of stagnant, I think of a pond. We have lots of ponds up here, although mostly in northern Vermont, they're very clear and, um, and, and, and you know, nice to jump in. Although every, most of us who live here can certainly relate to jumping into a pond where the water is not moving swiftly underneath. And that pond is going to be stagnant. It's going to smell. That's how you really know, honestly. Clear ponds don't smell. Stagnant ponds have a kind of just this swampy smell to them. So they're also tend to be the home of leeches and the the yuckies. I'm just not a huge fan of snakes. I know they have a place in the, you know, ecosystem, but I'm not a fan. And and so it leak, leads us to stagnancy because we're not moving. You know, a clear, clear pond up here, a clear, clear brook has that movement where leeches can't hang on. They, they just can't do it because they have to be where it's, where it's um, stagnant, stagnant. And there just isn't any growth there is the whole point versus a beautiful clear brook is going to be, you know, sort of invite, you know, uh, fish, certainly swimming and all that good stuff. Movement is good. So again, you know, um, changing our relationship with fear is really important, I think. And as mentioned just a few minutes ago about changing our relationship with stress, and in, in, with, with stress, I've done a, a slew of, of different episodes on this and different articles. When we, when we, this is just part of it, when we change even our words, you know, instead of, uh, oh my gosh, like we're doing all this, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I got this big presentation, my boss is going to be there, my professor, and my team isn't the best, and I've got slackers, and I've had to do it all myself, and what if I get an F, and what if I lose my words when it happens, or if it's in the professional world? my boss and they're inviting somebody else from the, the satellite company. And it's all these, you know, powers that be, and they're going to see me. What if I stutter? And what if this, and what if that, and what if my PowerPoint doesn't work? What if the power goes out? What if the whole world's power goes out? Blah, blah, blah. When we change all that, what ifing and oh my Godding and all the pressure of the boss and her, her opinion. And then the, the, then the board of trustees is there and all the rest of it. When we change that to, not I need to, I have to, uh, you know, whatever, to I'm excited. I'm excited to do this presentation. I am so excited. I've worked hard on it. 
the CEO and all these power people may be here. And you know what? This is my chance to shine. I'm not saying I won't be a little nervous, but I am excited. Well, si- similar but different to change our relationship with fear. You know, we can change. We can change it, but it doesn't mean that it entirely goes away. No, it doesn't. It's about sort of acknowledging it and walking through it, which is basically the definition of courage, right? Or part of it. Anyway, when we look at the possibility that fear could, again, could be a a guide saying, whoop, not going in the right direction or whoop, this thing over here is better. You're so, you're so stuck in your comfy zone with this job and maybe you're not miserable. Maybe you have some friends and maybe you don't know what huge phenomenal opportunity is waiting just on the other side of the fence. But since you're afraid to look over the fence, you're not going to have the opportunity kind of thing. When we say, when we stay stuck with content, it's okay. We're not miserable maybe, but no growth, no spark. And so, so that can be, that was just like an example with, you know, a job situation. But when we realize in, that we are, we've been conditioned that stress and fear are the high majority of the time negative, we're going to resist it and go, you know, move, move away from it. Whereas things tend to, in general, become less scary once we know, you know, it's usually the uncertainty. Even with, if any of you have ever had medical stuff happening, I remember, you know, I had a, a couple of uh, years ago, a couple of medical procedures done that involved biopsies and it was a potential bad thing. Thankfully it worked out well and it was fine. And there was what the bad stuff wasn't there, but the fear I had to wait 10 days. This is like 20 years ago. I had to wait 10 days to hear. And let me tell you about fear. I mean, every thought runs through your head. And I, I did my very best to curtail it, distract, stop going to the woods, all that stuff. It's really hard when we realize though, that, um, we can embrace this. We don't have to lose all of our valuable life minutes going down the fear rabbit hole that we do have some, an element of control there. Okay, I'm back. Giovanni was just ready to let me know that the painter was here. So, you know, and this can be obviously very difficult in some situations like the one I just shared with you. And still that said, again, we're not striving for perfection. That's a very, very bad word. We can strive for progress. So if we can, if something that scary, we can salvage some life minutes because we can't control the outcome anyway. Worrying about it helps no one, us or anyone else. And there goes Giovanni. He's going to bark. Hang on one second. When we become aware of the limbic system, how fear works, how the threat circuit works, and how the fight, flight, freeze, you know, whole thing go, happens when we feel threatened and we are uncertain, this helps. It's, it's, the not, it's the not knowing part that's hard. And so to embrace that what we're really trying to alleviate is the actual visceral response this knowledge can be enormously helpful with minimizing what we're actually feeling, which then can help to neutralize the fear. So Jay sort of labels the, um, the limbic system's response to fear, the threat circuit is fight, flight, freeze, and he adds burying it too. And so, and this is what some of what I was doing when I was telling you about the biopsy that was years ago, that ended up thankfully fine. But to change our, re- our relationship you know, with this and to not distract ourselves with those four things, fight, flight, freeze, or bearing it, but actually to acknowledge, acknowledge that the fear is there and lean into it in a sense that we're just acknowledging its presence. We're not saying, you know, immerse in the visceral tightness and make that worse. No, we're just acknowledging 
I'm afraid. Just say, I'm afraid. It seems that I'm afraid today. Just like we do with mindfulness. We don't judge it. Here comes the fear of thoughts. It's apparently I'm afraid today. Welcome to the human race. I am afraid. And it's the fear is much more apt to dissipate when we acknowledge that it's knocking at the door. And Jay, Jay says it like this. He says, to close the gap with our fear, we must acknowledge its presence. As my teacher told us, you've got to recognize your pain. You were still seated, and he told us to take a deep breath. Sorry, we were still seated, and he told us to take a deep breath and silently say, I see you to our pain. That was our first acknowledgement of our relationship with fear, to breathe in and repeat. I see you, my pain. I see you, my fear. And as we breathe out, we said, I see you, and I'm here for you. I see you, and I'm here for, I'm here for you, with you and for you. Pain makes us pay attention. Boy, that's for sure. Or it should. When we say, I see you, we are giving it the attention it is asking for, just like a crying baby to be heard and held. And then he gets into the breath, which is, of course, amazing because, um, you know, just like similar to the work that John Kabat-Zinn has done with his pain clinic in at the in the in Boston at the hospital there, uh, he's had done so much with so many people suffering from chronic pain. And when they learned, you know, did the mindfulness training, um, mindfulness-based stress stress reduction, hundreds of thousands of people have been able to learn to live with their pain by learning the mindfulness techniques, which which involve breathing. So Jay continues, he says, breathing steadily while we acknowledged our fear helped us calm our mental and physical responses in its presence. Walk towards your fear, become familiar with it. In this way, we bring ourselves into full presence with fear. When you wake up to that smoke alarm going off, you would acknowledge what is happening in the moment, and then you would get out of the house. Later in a later in a calmer state, you would reflect on how the fire started or where it came from. You would call the insurance company. You would take control of the narrative. This is recognizing and staying in present time with fear. And then sort of Jay takes it another level when he says to find your fear patterns. This is so important for those of you on the authentic path and just, you know, healing from whatever. It doesn't have to have a label. Like, you know, I had addiction in my family, narcissism in my family. So it doesn't, you don't have to have a label. You might just be recovering from whatever happened during childhood or, or in your adulthood. And that's all okay. And find what you're, you know, listen, listen to your feelings. Because remember that um, feelings are the language, well, really of the limbic system, but, and, and also feelings are the language of the body. Feelings are the language of the body. Thoughts are the feeling, sorry, thoughts are the language of the mind. So listen to where these, the, that visceral fear is coming from, the feeling, which will bring you, excuse me, back to your thoughts. And I know for me, it took me a while to really figure out my own fear pattern. And I knew, I knew, for, I think even as a, I don't know if I had the words for it, but I think even I knew as a teenager that I had abandonment issues because if you know the backstory, and then I was kind of aware of that. And, and then definitely, even in my young adulthood, I became even more aware of that and did some retreats some self-awareness stuff and became aware of that pretty early. And it wasn't until later in my adulthood that I realized, and then reading Jay's book had me kind of return to that place, that you, I thought that was sort of it. That was like the bottom, no more digging necessary. And I had this like aha moment, enlightening moment, realized, realizing like, no, there is, there's a deeper dive with where my fear was coming from. And it wasn't just abandonment because my parents didn't want me. It was deeper. It was this sort of, um, 
And rejection's a close cousin to abandonment too, of course, but it had like a a little bit more of a message. So I wasn't fear. I didn't have a fear of rejection of like, I know about making, you know, cuts with sports teams or getting jobs or not getting into this school, that school. That was never it. I always tried my best and the cards fell how they got this job, got into that school, made the sports teams and whatever, whatever, whatever. I, I, that isn't it. It was, it, it was, it was socially, I was, I would be afraid of, um, you know, the message of, we don't want you kind of thing from, from a group. And, and it doesn't have to happen for it to kick in. You know, you just can walk around and be at orientation in college or be um, moving, you know, to Boston and going to graduate school. I went to Boston College of Graduate School and it all worked out fine. I had lovely friendships, wonderful groups. It, it was just, it just sat there like as a slow burn. And it was because my family of origin didn't want me with my mother actually saying that to me. Right. She's told me she wished I'd never been born. So, um, and I'm fine now. I'm absolutely fine. I'm just sharing that with you, uh, to, to hopefully, um, be a vehicle of, of change and, uh, you know, uh, and, you know, aha moments for any of you out there. And when you, when you look for and find your own fear patterns, maybe this will help you if that fits into your, your own, your own story, your own scenario. And so that was much later in life that I realized it was deeper than abandonment. It was this fear of rejection. And then the thing is, once you figure out your fear pattern, you, once you, there's power in that. So it can feel vulnerable and you have to kind of allow yourself to be vulnerable to, to get there. But then the good news of that is it flips into you like a, it flips into a superpower because once you have the awareness of, of what your kryptonite is, you've got the power, you've got the power and you can kind of dodge situations where you just know it might, that wouldn't be enjoyable for you. You can kind of take the reins, harness that horse. Like we we're talking about, be that little jockey on the horse and go flying around that track and win. Okay. So then this, you know, Understanding your fear pattern, which is basically figure out what, figuring out what your kryptonite is, though it can be painful in that minute. Wow. Once you become aware of that and harness it, just like we're talking about, talking about with the horse running around the track, the world is your oyster because you can, by harnessing it, you know what situations to, you know, to avoid, not in avoid in a bad way, you're choosing it. That gives you agency. And even if you somehow landed in a situation with a, you know, your friend took you someplace, you ended up someplace else and who knew you all, you just know how to get out of there. It becomes a superpower. So knowing what your, what your Achilles is or your kryptonite, it's kind of like you become that little jockey on this huge thoroughbred horse. That's so powerful that, and you've got the reins, your little tiny jockey self is on top of this huge thoroughbred. You've got the reins. All the control is in your little fingers. And you are just flying around that track at full tilt with life by the ass. And you are in it to win it. Because when you, here's the thing, when you, when you know what your kryptonite is, you don't have to be attached to the outcomes. You don't have to carry that visceral fear and all that uncertainty and oh, oh my, all the, oh my God. And what if this, because you, 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 you've, you've got that self-awareness 
of what it is that trips your cord. So it gives you such a gigantic sense of control, and you can let go of the outcome because you don't care. And that means you have greatly, greatly reduced your suffering. And、um, that has you flying around with a big old S on your chest and a cape.